series. Uh, We are uh, studying or we are looking at worship, as Alf mentioned in our greeting. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, uh, again, I encourage you to bring your Bibles with you. Uh, I'm so glad to see people reaching for those today. That's great. Uh, Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at this verse, and we kind of have been touching on it each and every week of this series, and we will continue next week as well. Uh, It's the story of where the, the Magi come to uh, to baby Jesus and so we're going to start in verses chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 and but just kind of keep your Bible open uh, to Matthew 2 we're going to kind of look through that for a good bit this morning it says this in verses 1 and 2 after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea during the rule of King Herod Magi that's wise men Magi came from the east to Jerusalem they asked where is the newborn king of the Jews we've seen his star in the east and we've come to honor him And I've challenged you each and every week of this series because we sometimes approach worship for what we can get out of it. But you see in the actions of the Magi, they came and worshiped God, not for what they could get out of it, but what they could offer back in worship to Jesus Christ. Now, King Herod was an evil king, and when he heard this news, he he reacted as a threat to his power, and so he lied to the Magi and said, you know, when you find him, Come back and tell me where he's at so that I can go and worship him too. And so if you've got your Bibles open, just look at verse 9. It says, when they heard the king, they went and looked. The star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. So they saw the star and they followed it. Now we read that and we don't really grasp the magnitude of this moment. Because we read it and we're like, okay, that's the story we have grown up hearing. It's the story we see in Christmas cards and in movies. We see this aspect of it, but we don't really stop and think about the wise men were from the east. They were from what we know of as modern-day Iraq. It was Persia. And they made their way to where Jesus was. It would have been a distance of about 900 miles. Now, I want you all to picture that. It's the only way you can really think about it is I want you to picture all of us leaving the front doors and going to Boston. No Delta, no Southwest Airlines. Uh, It is us just walking to Boston. Uh, That's essentially what we see them doing. This would have been a difficult journey. It would have been a time-consuming journey. It would have been a painful journey that that they did. But they went because they believed that Jesus was the Savior. And so in verse 10 of Matthew 2, it says, When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They were overjoyed. Now, the English translation of this phrase, we really don't match it up. So we say that they were overjoyed. They were filled with joy. I read one translation that describes it. It says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. In the Greek, what it literally means is they rejoiced with a big, humongous overarching joy it was compounded joy so I want you to think about it they were happy that they were happy that they were happy that they were happy that's the kind of joy that they were experiencing it's almost impossible for us to understand the emotion that they felt because they had for centuries centuries waited for the day that a savior would be born that would save them from their sins this was that day from the very depths of their soul They were overjoyed with this humongous, gigantic, overarching joy. So many of us in the church today 
We are underjoyed. I don't hear an amen. We are underjoyed, people. We should be the most overjoyed people, and yet we aren't. It makes no sense. God has provided a way for us that we can't earn, that we don't deserve. And the fact that we can sit around, let's just be honest, with sour faces on our face, how can we do that? We come into worship and we are critical. We come into worship and we are frustrated. We come into worship and we are angry. We come into worship and we nitpick. Listen, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you say, I am filled with joy, I'm going to use a phrase that Angie Leonard says to me. Tell your face. <laughs> you know, I mean, you smile. I mean, be joyful people. Let the people around you know that you are filled with joy. We should have more joy than anyone else that we meet. Listen to me. It does not matter how bad life gets. You are promised eternity you should be joyful people yesterday I had the privilege of going over many of you know uh, Isaac Mawaka Matanda I had the privilege of going over and uh, visiting with his family as hospice is called in and they are making some tough decisions uh, as, as Isaac begins to transition but it was wonderful image I just want y'all to see that we were praying over Isaac and his daughter began to talk to me about baptizing her two twins. And even in the midst of difficulty with how light, how bad life can get, they were talking about new life in Christ. They were talking about something that was joyful and joyous occasions. A time where many people could become angry. They were like, we want to get our kids baptized. No matter how bad life gets, if I am a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I have the promise of eternal life. We should be joyful people. You have a God who promises that he will never leave you. You have a God who promises that he will strengthen you. You have a God who is all-powerful, a God who is all-knowing, a God who, who loves you, a God who has provided grace and mercy for you. How can we not be joyful people? We should be the most joyful people anyone meets. The wise men, the magi, they traveled 900 miles. What did they do? Look at verse 11 as it begins. It says, they entered the house and they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. We're going to come back to this part next week as we look at this part of them bowing down to him. But it says that they honored him again. They worshiped him. They adored him. And how did they do that? They opened their treasure chest and they presented, them, presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were overjoyed after a 900-mile trek. They were overjoyed to give. They didn't, they didn't do it begrudgingly. They didn't uh, feel bad at the moment. They weren't upset. They were filled, overarching, humongous joy to be given, to be able to give God what they had. I think about giving of 
I remember when I was younger, and this will probably say a lot about my age, but I remember when I was younger, there was a Christmas, if my mother is online, she can attest to this, there was a Christmas where it was the first time I ever bought my mother and dad something for my own money. And I went out, and I searched, and I got my mother leg warmers and a headband. Uh, So, uh, yeah. She was appalled, but she did the motherly thing. But I was so excited, and, and, and I say that because I can remember, there was not an ounce of me that was reluctant. There was not an ounce of me that was not happy about giving. There was not a part of me that was like, well, they tell me in Sunday school that I'm supposed to give a gift to my mom, and so I'm doing that. I was overjoyed to be able to give her something, and I gave it to her with thanksgiving and excitement. This is what we see. That's what they did. They gave gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we don't always stop and think about what those gifts represent. I mean, theological studies would argue, so the gold represents the kingship of Christ, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Frankincense represents the priestly role of Christ. Uh, They used uh, incense in the priestly role, and you couldn't get that really where Jesus Uh, was born and lived and so that had to come from the east and so not only did it represent the priestly role of Christ but it also uh, was representing something that was expensive and valuable and hard uh, for them to get and then myrrh was something that was used in um, embalming and so it would uh, symbolize for us um, that Jesus was born to die and so what I hear in that though when I think about the gold the frankincense and the myrrh was the intentional aspect of their giving the intentional aspect of giving all that they had and all that they were and to do that joyfully. And you probably can get an idea of where we're going with the message, the joy of giving. And some of you are online thinking, how can I just click off and nobody know it? Uh, And some of you are here this morning going, oh, I wish I had come last week. Uh, Or maybe I'll come back next week. Uh, We don't like to talk about this, but it's an important aspect of us in our worship. And I I can remember being in your shoes, and I can remember being reluctant and hesitant to sit and listen to a sermon about the joy of giving. And I'm going to tell you why. Brutally honest, I wasn't a giver. And so I didn't like to hear about it. But God changed my heart. God moved in me and Claire, and um, I love to talk about generosity because I understand God is a generous God. And there is nothing that I can do that can outgive God. And so it doesn't bother me. I read books about it, not just because I'm a preacher, but I just, I love generosity. I love to be around people who are generous. And so I think that we need to talk about that, especially as we think about joy. The truth is love gives. If I were to tell you a Bible verse that probably every single person knows, probably everybody online, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Why did God do that? Because God loves the world. I tell people when I talk to them one-on-one, don't just think about that as God loving the world. God loved you. God loved you so much that he gave his only son. If it was only you on this earth, God would give his son for you. Love gives. God looked at creation 
And he saw us broken and knew that we were not able to reconcile ourselves back to God. And so God knew that it was going to require someone to live a sinless life and to die as a result of that sin, the sin of the world. And so God sent his son to take on, become flesh for us. Love gives. That's what God does. That is who God is. And so we love because God loved first. Romans says it this way, God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Doesn't say that he talked about his love. It doesn't say that he discussed his love. It doesn't say that he shouted his love from heaven. It says God demonstrated his love. God showed us what love is. And he did that by sending his son Christ, Jesus, to die for us. I love this time of year. I know Claire loves it because of the Hallmark movies. And you know what? She's, she's selling me on it. Um, we watch them quite often. But, but I love it because I get to see, and maybe it's just my role in the church, I get to see generosity. I get to see, I mean, the, over the last couple of weeks, and if Diane were here, she could tell you. It's been amazing to watch people drive up here to church and drop off gift cards for the angel tree. And to see people that are bringing in the cards that they have. For those of you who are online, you can't see when we came in, but the, the angel tree is empty. And we'll talk more about that at the very end. And I thought about putting ornaments on that angel tree so that it would be pretty. But then I remember what Diane was essentially going to pray. And I thought, you know what? That angel tree is probably the be most beautiful thing in this place today. Because when we empty ourselves... We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with God. And so every time I see that tree now in its bareness, I'm like, that's what God is all about. Giving. God demonstrated his love for us. And I realize that uh, some of us, we, we, we struggle with that. We're reluctant to it. And I just, I want to talk to all of us this morning as we think about the joy of giving. In Proverbs chapter 3, Probably, you know, people have favorite verses. This is probably one of my favorites in the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. You see pictures and you see cards about this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own intelligence. Know him in all your paths and he will keep your ways straight. In other words, don't, don't always lean on what you understand. Trust him. But then that scripture goes on. See, we stop at 5 and 6. But we don't realize the rest of that. Listen to what it says in 7 and 8. Don't consider yourself wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then your body will be healthy and your bones strengthened. In other words, don't try to figure everything out. There are things that there, God's ways are different than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Trust him, it says. In that understanding, it, Solomon says this in verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first of all your crops. Honor the word, the, the, honor the Lord. The word honor here is adore. It's what we sing, let us adore him. It's adore, it's worship, it's praise. It's worship God with your wealth. Worship God with what you have. And the Magi, they were overjoyed because they opened up their treasures and they worshiped God. That scripture in verse, in verse 9, it goes on in 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will burst with wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and you will be blessed 
beyond measure, as a friend of mine says. You will be blessed so much, the scripture says, that you cannot contain it in a room. This is parallel to what it talks about in Malachi. Jesus affirms it in Matthew. You can go look at it in Hebrews, and it talks about uh, tithe, that we are to give a tenth. The Hebrew word is masar, and it simply means a tenth. We are to trust God with a tenth of all that he gives us. And if so, God will open the the windows of heaven and pour out the blessings upon us. Now listen, I am not saying to you that if you give the first 10% of your fruits that you get everything that you want. I'm not saying, I'm not a prosperity gospel person. I'm not saying that you get the new car that you're looking for. Have y'all seen my car? Apparently some of you have. I have duct tape on my car. In fact, I will just say this to you that I I had black, I I drive a white car if you don't know, and I had black duct tape on my car. And one of you, I don't know who did it, one of you took the black duct tape off and put white duct tape as if that was gonna make you feel better. (laughs) Or make me feel better, I don't know. But I, but, but I don't ascribe to the fact that if you, if you give, that God's just going to give you whatever material blessings. But you know what? That car means a lot to me. Because it was my mother-in-law's car. And it was the only thing she didn't want to do is she didn't want to sell that car. And so I told her I would drive it until it's not drivable anymore. It's a blessing. God will pour out his blessings on you for us as generous people. I am overjoyed, filled with an overarching joy anytime that I get to give. I am, and I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm just simply trying to give you my experience because that's all I can do. I love to give my tithe and offering. It's one of the first, I get paid on the first of the month. It's the very first thing I do. Even if we're not going to have church till the sixth, I'll write the check so that I first fruit gives to God. I used to not be that way. I used to be one who would just give what I could get at the very end of the month. I love, love to give God the worship through my giving. I love to give to the capital campaign. If we've learned anything this year, church, we've learned that this building cannot monopolize our budget. We have learned that we have to reduce our debt. So I love to give to the capital campaign. I love to give to launch, to watch young people go on mission trips. I love to be able to give to the angel tree. I love to be able to give to the Christmas Eve offering. And you want to know why? Because somebody years ago sat in a church much like this in Perry, Georgia, and gave. They had a nursery and a children's ministry that invested in Claire, grew her up so that she could go through confirmation, that she could learn about Christ and be the person of peace that I see her as. And there was somebody in a church in Powder Springs, Georgia, who gave, they invested in me, And even though I drifted away for a while, the Holy Spirit led us back together and has transformed our life into what it is today. 
because people were generous. We are different. And it allows me to be filled with joy when I know that I give because God loves me. I shared with you, we're thinking about postures of worship. Last year, if y'all remember, I was in incredible pain. I had a neck injury or I don't know what was going on in my neck, but I couldn't hardly move it. I was having to go to physical therapy probably four times a week just to be able to stand up here and preach. I didn't know when the pain was going to go away. And as I started going into physical therapy, the very first exercise, and if any of you have ever been for, for neck injuries or, or, or neck pain, you know, um, one of the first exercises they did was they told me every morning in the shower to, to do a stretch where you take your whole arms go back and your neck to go back. And as I did it, I did this exact thing. And she said, no, wait a minute. She said, open your hands. And she said, because when you open your hands, it releases so much more of the stress in your body, so much more of the tension and the pain. And I thought, man, you know, I always think theologically, I guess, because Claire gets aggravated when we watch movies. Uh, but, 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 that's, but that's the symbol. You don't believe me? All of you, and you can do this at home, all of you take your hands and ball up your fist. Do it right now. It's okay. I'm not making you hold them up. Just put them up. Uh, so ball up your fist and hold them tight. Do you feel that? You feel the tension of that? Now open them. That's the posture of worship, of giving. We're so reluctant, but we can see in this story the power of giving. And that as we give, we are filled with joy. And I, I've never met anybody ever in my ministry that attest to being a generous person that would say that is not true. Do you realize it's the only thing in Scripture that God says, test me on it? You don't believe me? Test me. That's my story. And I hope that you, this Christmas season, can think about worship, not just how we praise and how we pray, but how we give. And may we be generous in our giving. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you praise today in so many ways. We praise you in song. We praise you as we pray we praise you as we walk in this door, as we sign online. We praise you as we greet our neighbors. But we also praise you as we give. May it be, may this be a time of worship. Help us to see you and all of your generosity towards us. And because you loved us. Help us to be generous people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.